0: To learn more, click on the conference tab at beckershospitalreview.com. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We have a very special guest today. We have Dr. Rahul Gupta with us. Dr. Gupta has a fasting role with March of Dimes. He's a chief medical and health officer. He's also a senior vice president at March of Dimes. He also serves as an adjunct professor at the Georgetown University School of Medicine, fabulous career. He's going to talk to a little bit about what his big priorities are for this year and what they do at March of Dimes today and more. Dr. Gupta, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Thank you for having me here today, Scott. Um, I'm so honored to be
1: in your company and with folks. Uh, I am currently, as you mentioned, uh, working at the March of Dimes. Um, I've had a career in, um, as a private practitioner, primary care, as well as in public health. I have served two governors in West Virginia as the health commissioner. And prior to that, I was a local health commissioner. Um, And then I have also been as a private practitioner as well as a faculty in other schools. Um, So have been able to be fortunate in taking care of patients on the ground, as well as working in the policy realm and structure, both local and state levels, as well as working with national policymakers.
0: Well, fantastic. And talk to us a little bit about March of Dimes today. We all grew up seeing March of Dimes' name all over the place and so forth. Talk to us about the organization today and what it focuses on.
1: Certainly. So March of Dimes really began um, itself as an organization uh, to fundraise for the development of a vaccine. Uh, some of an illness that was a scourge at the time Was was not only killing people, but disabling generations of Americans and people all across the globe. Um, polio. Uh, We don't talk about polio because it's been eliminated, certainly from the United States in the 1970s and off the face of the earth, except for a few dozen cases each year in the borders of Afghanistan and Pakistan. After the discovery of the vaccine funding and clinical trials, uh, launching uh, the uh, polio vaccination campaign, uh, making sure that not just kids, but populations were protected. Martial Dimes began its work of investing into research in the areas of birth defects, uh, spina bifida, for example, um, worked with um, a lot of the folic acid work, uh, understanding the newborn diseases, um, and, and uh, really starting to help the programs that, um, you know, the children as they're born today get the newborn screenings for every state, there's a list. All that's been something that was work through Martial Dimes with the CDC over the years. We also have had significant influence for the last at least couple of decades or so on the focus of preterm birth or prematurity. We know that prematurity is literally a syndrome. and There's a multiple causes, both medical as well as non-medical and societal. It's about 10% really in the United States. So about 10% of the babies, that's about 400,000 babies that are born premature although a lot of them are late stage premature, but we've been investing, we've invested about $100 million over the last decade in trying to understand better the the issue of prematurity. One of the things that we understood uh, over time is, um, it's a downstream impact of what's really happening with the mother, the family, the community. So then we began about three years ago, to really focus on the issue, but also focus on the moms as a result. So now our mission has transformed into addressing maternal and infant health as a result of that. One of the driving reasons is, is clearly that we have one of the worst um, outcomes in terms of maternal mortality and more severe maternal morbidity across all developing nations, and in the, in the, uh, all developed nations, I um, apologize for that in the world. But on the other hand, um, our results that are poor are actually poorer in terms of um, underserved communities in terms of communities of color. So what we find is the preterm birth rates, for example, if you're a black woman is about 50% higher than if you're a white person. Same way for maternal mortality, we see that the rates amongst black women about three to four times higher than amongst their white counterparts. So we have this um, challenge of not just uh, you know issues of maternal infant health, but also the unique challenges of health inequities that continue to influence the very beginning of life. And that's been the mission now of March Dimes is to work to end preventable maternal health risks and death, as well as preventable preterm births and infant deaths with a lens of health equity and narrowing that health equity gap with the goals of elimination of that
0: gap. So let me ask you a couple of questions. You had mentioned, and I'll just go back a second, that there is still cases of polio in Afghanistan and Pakistan. And why is that and how many cases?
1: Yeah, so one of the things we found is that uh, local uh, you know, instability, violence, all those aspects work to hinder the impact of a very effective vaccine. So every time um, there is uh, disturbances, killings, and other aspects that are non-health in nature, they actually have a direct impact on the health of those populations. So um, that's been happening for years. We also saw with parts of Africa that's essentially been taken care of. But in that area now, even with COVID, we've seen rising cases. So anytime there's a disturbance, whether it's health or non-health in any community, there's challenges of getting the vaccine there. And of course, the polio um, vaccine that's used in those areas is called the oral polio vaccine. So there's a cold chain maintenance that's required. So it becomes very cumbersome and difficult to get to the most remote areas of the world, especially when there's ongoing conflict. Um, And that's one of the primary reasons that we still haven't been able to. It's really near, very close. We can we could feel it.
0: But not there. Thank you. And then you mentioned maternal and infant health in black communities versus white communities is is much worse in our country for a whole variety of reasons. How do we attack and fix that? How is that approached? I think we've seen with the COVID pandemic, one of the things that it has
1: shown us, it has unveiled the underlying the ugliness, actually, uh, of the challenge that we have to deal with in terms of health inequities and inequities in other sectors. So I think we address this as a part of a larger aspect of addressing how to develop equities within our healthcare sector. You know, there's a study in the Institute of Medicine back in 2002 that demonstrated the disparities that exist in the healthcare sector. One of the ways we do it is we look at not just the person, or the four walls, but also the society and the, and, the, and the community. So I think one of the ways to address it is understand the social and societal aspects along with the clinical aspects of the person who's suffering through. So whether it's literacy and education issues, whether it's transportation, whether it's food deserts, whether it's maternity care deserts. One of the things we found is in our study at March Dimes is that about five million women today live in maternity care deserts, areas and counties with no hospitals offering obstetric services and no BGYN providers. So we need to start to eliminate these maternity care deserts, just like food deserts we talked about. We need to figure out how to ensure that we have implicit bias training for our healthcare professionals, um, to understand and recognize our own biases, to have biases to be human. The problem is the way we let that bias play out into the clinical care, especially during high stress times. Um, so there are some aspects that we need to work on together, collectively, to address um, both the uh, racial and ethnic aspects, but also improving the clinical care when it comes to maternal and infant health.
0: And Dr. Guster do you also teach at Georgetown? Yes, I, I do, uh,
1: a, uh, you know, classes mostly on uh, health policy, opioids, as well as health uh, preparedness, emergency preparedness. Um, uh, Of course, I've done a a significant amount of work in both the substance use uh, disorder spectrum as well as uh, specifically um, polysubstance use and opioids.
0: Are are we backsliding on opioids this year or not so much? What's the sense of that?
1: So we saw in 2019, we saw a record uh, overdose deaths. About seventy-one thousand, almost seventy-two thousand. We have uh, every indication to see uh, to to note that, for a variety of reasons, in 2020, that number has shot up. Um, You know, we may be at record levels. There's a lot of reasons for it: Uh, shutdown facilities, polysubstance use, increase in cocaine, as well as um, other stimulants like meth and not having really good treatments for those yet in uh, research and development area, as well as the ability to invest uh, properly in mental health and addiction fields um, and maintain the lifelong recovery support services. So there's a lot of work to be done. This crisis is by no means over. In fact, we maybe just, um, you know, we have not even peaked yet. So there's a lot of work happening. We're also seeing a lot more Uh, communities of color being involved, and this is something that is becoming younger and younger inflicted on populations. So when we talk about that, that also means workforce, economy, and those things become important. So we have to take a a holistic, multidisciplinary approach in addressing the addiction and mental health crisis that we're enduring across our nation today.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Gupta, very much for joining us. What a pleasure to visit with you. Your students are fortunate to have you. You're a great teacher and, and, and a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it.